So we're positive. Yeah, we're smiling. Yeah, we're they can hear it. Yeah. Can uh, you hear us smiling? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast Fly with Mel. I usually use this podcast to talk about travel and self-development with people that I meet along the way. Today, I'm with Paul, the first Australian guy that I have on the podcast, and I'm pretty proud to have him here. We're going to talk about how you can transform your struggles in life into success. So take a seat and enjoy. So to give you a bit of context, uh, we are here sitting with Paul at the beach, um, so you can hear a bit of waves in the background. We have the sun around you and some birds, so you might hear all of this during your uh, during the podcast. Uh, I hope it's going to be an experimentation, <laughs> a great atmosphere for you to hear. Hi, Paul. G'day. <laughs> I'm an Australian guy. <laughs> Do you want to say some Australian expression to kick off? Um, G'day, how you going, mate? Uh, <laughs> shrimp on the barbie, if there's anyone overseas. That's not actually an Australian expression. All right. Thank you. I hope people will understand you, but I, I think we'll be fine because I can. I should be feeling very connected to Australian culture. Yeah, now. of course. So to give you a bit of context, um, I've met Paul here since like in Australia, I think, one or two years ago at the gym uh, because sometimes he trained uh, and he wanted to, to have some advice from me so, so. <laughs> well we're off to a bad start very, no. so many lies but um, Paul is very very he's, he's an interesting guy very curious about the life uh, and the world around him and we have so many deep conversations all the time so I thought it would be interesting to have him on the podcast he's also a mentor uh, a coach for students but he's going to tell you more about that later today we're going to talk about his background his travel story as well how did he um, came out of his struggle when he came back here in Australia after his travel because we all know that when you're traveling abroad sometimes it's hard when you come back to your home country and he's going to give us some tips uh, about how you can transform your struggles into success so welcome Paul thank you can you tell us just three things uh, that defines you before we start Three things that define me. Um, gee, that's, it's tough, but thinking about this, I would say that I'm very curious would be the first thing. Very innovative. I love to challenge the status quo. I'm always asking why. Um, my bosses hate that at work. I've gotten into trouble many times for asking why when I should just do it. Um, but I'd also say that I'm a philosopher. I love searching for that deeper meaning in life, trying to understand how things are connected mm -hmm. and ultimately not just doing that for the sake of it, but to think about how that can improve our lives moving into the future. Wow. Okay. We already want to hear more about you. Um, so because this podcast is more about travel at the beginning and then personal development, can you just tell us what's your story? What's your background travel story? Well, my first big travel experience started when I was 19 mm -hmm. so when I was 19 I had the big idea to move to the UK uh, so I grew up in in Brisbane in Australia and yeah 19 I was I guess soul-searching for the next next big thing and yeah had a friend who moved to, to England and I thought that sounds like a cool thing to do so I thought about it for a week and then booked my flight two weeks after that mm -hmm. and then yeah 
with a whole three weeks of total planning time, suddenly I was living in, in England. And at the time I had business ideas that I was working on, all mm -hmm. kinds of different projects. And I think through that, it was a big adventure, but I was also very naive. And Why? Why was I naive? Um, I just hadn't thought it through. <laughs> the excitement of this big adventure was, yeah, pretty, it lured me in and I didn't think about the realities of moving out of home for the first time, moving to the other side of the world, having to pay rent for the first time. Mm. So that was all very interesting and a, a baptism by fire. Was it hard? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I burnt through my life savings in about three months. And then I slept on the floor of a friend's one bedroom apartment mm -hmm. for six months. Wow. Paying what I thought was a lot of money at the time 50 pounds a month for the uh, privilege of being able to stay and sleep on a floor. Um, wow. Yeah, so that's an example of you, you go into it with such hope, but you kind of neglect to think about the logistics of it, and then suddenly you're like, I'm sleeping on a floor. This is I'm not like the... trying to live on 20 pounds a week for food. Wow. What's happening? What's next? What am I doing this for? What's the end goal? And then through that, there's a lot of pressure that builds up, mm -hmm. which then inhibits our ability to make the right choices to get out of it. So there were a lot of lessons in that. So you're going to tell us, can you tell us just a bit more about how did you get up, get out of this situation? Or did you tell yourself like, oh, okay, fuck, fuck all of this and sorry for my language, but fuck all of this and I should just should come back home at Brisbane. So I was very stubborn. So I think the realization I had, or maybe the realization I've had in hindsight mm. is that And we can explore this further in our chat today, but often it's important to make the distinction, particularly when we're traveling, whether we're running away from something or whether we're seeking something new and different and exciting. And the realization for me looking back was that I was actually running away from something initially. So me in England, I was very, very stubborn and I was like refusing to come home. I was like, I was gonna make this work somehow. I'm, I'm gonna find a way. And that just created so much pressure that things got worse and worse. Then I didn't even have a floor to sleep on. I was homeless. Wow. I was in crisis care, crisis management. My mental health went off a cliff. Um, fortunately, I didn't go off a cliff. <laughs> they, oh they, my God, they don't supported say that. me a lot. Yeah. They, yeah. Were you alone the whole, the, this whole time? Well, this is the thing, and, and we'll talk about this more, but it's very easy to push others away when we're going through these dark places because mm -hmm. we feel like we need to figure it all out ourselves so I was dating a girl at the time and she was trying to be supportive but then ultimately it wasn't a healthy situation for either of us to be in so kind of pushed her away pushed my friends away and then in the end I was alone um, which made things a hundred times worse and then at the very very end I had to accept the offer from my parents to get on the plane ticket or get on the plane with the ticket that they bought for me okay. and just put my ego to the side and come back and regroup and think about what's next. Wow. Which was very scary, very scary to give up my natural tendency for stubbornness. Mm. Wow. So you came back after all of this. When you came back, was it? did you feel good? Did you feel like you didn't achieve what you wanted to achieve or how did you feel? When I first came back, yeah. I felt amazing. Oh, wow, okay. Probably for the first 
two to three weeks when I first got back, mm -hmm. it felt like the whole world had been lifted off my shoulders. Okay. Because I didn't have to think about where was I going to be living, how was I going to eat, the quality of the relationships around me. I didn't have to deal with that stress, take on their stress. I didn't have people around me worrying about me mm. um, anymore. So when I came back, it was like, I'm back home with mum and dad. It's the simple <laughs> life. Mum's cooking for me. It's yeah. like the same food. I'm in my old bedroom again. Everything's familiar. How old and were you at that time? 20 when okay. I came back. Yeah. So I was over there for just over a year. Mm -hmm. um, a hard year. A very hard year, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it was incredible to come back. And that first period was so easy because it was like, oh, I don't have to think about all this. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like that previous year didn't happen. Mm. It was just like, that was a crazy dream. And now I'm back and everything's the same. But after those three weeks, then it was like, shit. Okay, so that was a hectic time. Mm -hmm. Now it's, now I have to process what actually happened there. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where the real growth started to, to happen. And, and that was probably the hardest period. So tell us more about that. Why was it hard and what did you experience? So the interesting thing when you're, and I know many of your listeners are in this situation, living abroad, having traveled, it's like when we come back to our home country, everyone else has just been in the day-to-day -day grind around the same people in the same jobs. Like you go into the same bars, you go into the same cafes, you're getting on the same bus. Mm -hmm. It's like, Sometimes when you're having a bad period, when you're living overseas, you think like you're missing out on something back home. Mm -hmm. you're like, obviously we miss our friends and we miss our family, but we think we're missing out on something. And for me, when I came back and it's like, mum and dad are still watching the news at the same time. They're still sitting down for dinner at the same time. Mm -hmm. They're still talking about the same things in the same newspapers. My friends are still, you know, dating the same people, going to the same gym, having the same conversations. And then it was like, holy shit, like I've been on this hectic adventure. Like every conversation's new. Mm -hmm. You're the, the novelty factor. You're the token Aussie, you know, traveling around London with this big grand um, dream in mind. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's really exciting. And then to come crashing back down to reality and to be in that environment where everything's the same yeah. as it, or the, the same as it's always been, that is really depressing. Hard, yeah. In its own you way. feel like. Did you feel, because I had the same feeling when I came back, it's like everyone is the same, but you feel that you have changed so much, but you cannot express this change to the world because they're not going to understand you because they didn't experience the same things. Yeah. Uh, so this is, yeah, this is pretty hard. How did you, did you keep everything for yourself and just like mind your business and, and continue your life as if nothing happened? Or did you use your experience abroad to do something in your life? It's a really good question. I probably, after that depressive episode of, mm -hmm. okay, shit, I'm back, back mm -hmm. in reality. This is reality now. Me being the futuristic visionary dreamer, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like what's next now? I need to give myself something to look forward to, something to get excited about. So I actually ended up back at the same job. I got my old job back and Uh, worked there for a few months and same challenges but mm. then through that I was like okay I need to set myself a goal and that goal was actually to get back to the UK and to get back into race car driving which was something that I was working towards okay so that was like the big next adventure okay and that's what kind of drove me through that period and it really set up six months of intense focus where it was 
networking, going to events, speaking at events, trying to get investment, trying to get sponsors on board. Um, so would you say that because you had suddenly a purpose, yeah. um, you had the, the, the enough strength to get out from your like depression of coming back to your, your home country, and yeah. you just had like something to focus on and, and just like focus and continue and, and just like yeah, don't think about anything else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, for any any time we're feeling down and uh, we feel like life's monotonous and we're going through the motions mm. it's so important to give ourselves something to get excited about something to look forward to and we know like we were talking about this recently mm -hmm. about you know how the brain works with dopamine release and when we have something to look forward to it's that anticipation mm -hmm. that floods the brain with dopamine that keeps us more positive keeps us happier yeah and ultimately drives us through the ups and downs towards getting there um And I think that's exactly what happened for me during mm. that, that journey. It was a crazy dream that mm. was almost unattainable, but that was really exciting for me yeah. and kept me going. That's really good. I feel like this whole experience helped you also to find your purpose in life. And we're going to talk about that very, very soon about um, identity. But uh, thank you for sharing these stories. I know it's not, it's not very easy to, to share this kind of stuff and to come back to the past. But thank you for that, Paul. Oh, thank you. So I want to talk now about identity because you have a um, certain job which is very interesting and relate to, related to identity. So can you tell us how do you help young people find their way, their voice, their purpose in life through your job? So t tell us just more about who you are, what's your job, what do you do? What do I do? That's a great <laughs> question. What do I do? Shit. Um, so currently, uh, well, let's... I want to add something to that first because I don't know if we were talking about this. I uh, know, sorry. I have a, a certain amount of questions. You can yeah, have Yeah, I can't deviate. <laughs> well, you're going to have to because okay. I'm the guest, so I make the rules. Oh, sorry. Famous guest. Yes. The interesting thing about identity, just to start with this tangent, is often we're asked the question, what do you do? And when we reply, often we construct our response based on our career or our job as a, a central component of our identity. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking about this a lot recently and I wonder why we're invariably led to answer with that response. So when you say, what do you do? I feel like saying, I'm a success coach at Torrance University. I work with undergraduate business students developing uh, smart skills, soft skills, employability skills to help them find a career that they love. Mm -hmm. That is only a small part of what I do. It's a part of my identity, but it's not my identity as a whole. And we spoke earlier in the podcast about me being the curious soul, the innovator, the philosopher, someone who cares deeply about other people, someone who cares deeply about creating a better future for us all to share. And I would argue that those are much more central components of who I am and what I do than just my career. True. So it's an interesting conversation about identity and and maybe for your listeners to think about how they would answer that question. Mm -hmm. And is that really who they are? Or is it just how they spend parts of some of their days? It's an interesting thought. A very interesting thought. And I think you have to add your ego in that thought. And maybe sometimes you have to put your ego on the side 
because yes, your career doesn't define who you are and maybe sometimes your passion or what you're doing during your free time really define who you are more than what you do from nine to five, Monday to Friday. So yeah, 100% with you. So let me reframe, <laughs> Paul, please, please. who are you? Who am I? Well, that is the most difficult question to answer, but I would say I'm a curious soul, uh, an explorer, a futurist, and someone who wants to help others connect the dots in their lives mm -hmm. so that we can connect with each other mm -hmm. and so that we can live more meaningful and purposeful lives. Wow, okay. So I know you help a lot of students to understand what they want to do in their life. Um, how, how do you do that? Where do you start? It's a big question, right? And thinking about what we want to spend our lives doing, mm -hmm. that can then put a lot of pressure on us to make a decision, to commit to something. Am I committing to the right thing? Do I have the flexibility to change my mind? What does changing my mind do? Do I have a family? You know, some of your listeners are having families soon or they have families now. It's like, it's harder to make some of those those changes. So it's, I completely understand how scary it can be. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that I share with my students when we're thinking about what we want to be doing more of or what career we might want to pursue. Really, it's not necessarily about finding that one thing. Mm -hmm. There's not one direction. And for, for those listening who want to explore this further much, in much more detail than I can share in this podcast, there's a really good book called Designing Your Life mm -hmm. by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. So definitely check that out. I encourage my students to come up with some ideas, to mind map, to brainstorm, and then to align them with what their own personal values are, with what brings them joy, mm -hmm. with what inspires their curiosity. And then to start breaking down that mind map into a short list and then trusting in their gut to make or to take action on one of those. It and sounds very easy when you're saying, saying it like that, but yeah. And it takes courage to take a step towards anything that's new or anything that's different. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe a different conversation to have, but around our need to be kind to ourselves. It's like if something's not feeling right or it didn't quite end up the way we wanted to mm -hmm. so that's okay like we should be exploring life with the mentality of not what do I want from this but what can I learn from this mm -hmm. and if we approach every situation in life with that idea of what can I learn what can this teach me there really isn't the scope to fail in that because whatever the outcome is mm -hmm. we've learnt something that can inform what our next step is so that in a sense is is fail-proof mm -hmm. and that's what I encourage my students particularly young people who feel like they have so much pressure on them like leaving school you know should they go to university obviously I'm dealing with students who have already made that choice mm -hmm. um, but maybe a better choice could be to go traveling to live overseas to come back to apply the lessons to experience the different cultures you know with globalization we're living in a much more multicultural society so mm -hmm. those skills are going to become more and more important over the next or the over the next few decades mm -hmm. so that's a handy skill set beyond what you're going to learn in the classroom yeah so maybe my bosses don't like this but <laughs> if someone wants to go traveling or you know maybe it's a, a bit more difficult now it's like go and do that yeah because no learning is ever lost yeah. it's like whatever we experience in life 
we will find a way to connect that somewhere. Even if it's just one conversation we have with someone next to us at a cafe or at a gym, that's, you know, <laughs> that's like a connection. It's Look, like, yeah, yeah. it led us to, to a podcast. Yeah. Um, do you have like one exercise that someone, like anyone can do, not only students, but anyone who is a bit lost or feeling a bit lost in, in their life or in front of a decision, like one exercise to do? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot that we do with students around this. Um, a big one is is trying to understand what your personal values are, mm -hmm. understanding what work means to you, uh, what life means to you, yeah. seeing where those two domains intersect. That alone can help, uh, help you to find clarity around maybe where you should be investing more of your time. But again, like we were saying earlier, it's not so much about finding that one thing. It's about developing a compass in life that can help us mm -hmm. navigate yeah, yeah, the sure. changing and the dynamic But environment and all of the different decisions. Sure. So how do we create that compass? A really good question that I like to ask is, okay, so things are, are tough now and like, it sounds like you're doing an amazing job. There's lots going on for you now. You. Like, <laughs> I would really struggle to get through that. I feel like anyone would really struggle to get through that. But let me take a guess and say that it hasn't always been like this. Mm -hmm. And I want you to think about a time, any time, whether it was at work, at school, in life, when you just felt really happy and really joyful. And think about that one moment and then start to describe that moment to me. Mm -hmm. What were you doing? What were you working on? What people were you surrounded by? And maybe through that process of visualizing that situation where you felt happy, you felt joyful, you felt connected, How can we begin to create more experiences like that to feel more of that joy? That not only takes the pressure off, not only from a neurological point of view, the dopamine release and the positivity that, that comes with that, the excitement, that can help give us an idea of maybe I'm not in the right environment, maybe I'm not surrounded by the right people. It's like use that sense of joy and enjoyment as your compass for decision making. Maybe wow. there's something in that. Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. I think, I think it's great to go through this kind of exercise, but the thing is to take action after it, because sometimes you know what is good or not for you, and you know that you have some people which are not the great one and the best one around you, but to take action, and you said it before, it's take, it takes a lot of courage. Um, so yeah, to anyone who is listening now, if you're feeling a bit lost or having a bad day or whatever, try to go through this exercise and write down, I think, yeah, I think it's the best thing to visualize, it's to write mm. down your, your thoughts and then try to really take action for yourself because you have to put yourself first if you want to go and find your real purpose in life and be happy um, most of the time, I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, can I just add to that, it could yeah. be as simple as saying, how can I recreate maybe one or two situations this week? Mm -hmm. How can I schedule them? You know, is that messaging a friend? Is that emailing someone I met in a, at an event a year ago yeah. who I really connected with? What are one or two things I can do over the next week or two that can begin recreating that feelings? Yeah. And that's maybe the first action that, that people can take. Creating new habits and then stick to them. Yeah. Um, so do you think we can feel stuck again one day if we, for example, let's say you found your purpose in life, you know, you're focused on something and everything and suddenly one day, bam, everything dropped down. You're having a lot of questions. You're not sure about what you're doing. You're, you're even not sure about your real purpose in life. Um, 
do you think we can be in this kind of situation and how do we go out of it? Absolutely we can, yeah. So I guess from the age of 17 uh, and my own experiences with mental illness, with mm. depression, with anxiety, around that age of 17, 18, I knew that I wanted to use those experiences and those feelings to help other people. Mm. So that's at 17, I'm now 28, going on 29, wow. going on 40. Um, <laughs> scary. Not yet. Um, so I knew I always wanted to help people somehow and I wanted to help people overcome those struggles. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in a sense I found my purpose back then. The challenge isn't so much about finding our purpose, it's finding out how do we live out our purpose. Where do we apply that? That's the, the journey of life. It's like, okay, I want to help people, but like where is that? What is that? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And that's where the travel came in, that's where lots of different career changes came in, that's where the study came in, how can I upskill myself to better support other people. Um, and that journey can challenge us sometimes and get us thinking, fuck, like, am I really on the right path? Is this really worth it? Why can't I just do the nine to five job, get a white picket fence house lifestyle, nuclear family and just be happy like everyone else is? happy in inverted commas um, so it's challenging like that inevitably these times will come up um, in fact I think about a story right so and this is a couple of days ago I got on a train mm -hmm. and I thought I knew where the train was going mm -hmm. turns out there were two trains leaving from the same platform and I got on the wrong train and only when I realized I was now taking a 30-minute detour from where wow. I wanted to be. Okay. Oh, shit, okay. So I need to get off this train and I need to get on the right train. I know where I'm going, but I'm just on the wrong train. Mm -hmm. So I got off that train and I thought, oh, damn it, if I just stayed on that train for two more stops, I could get on the right train to take me back to where I want to go. So the next train comes along, I get back on the train, I get on that one, and then I find out that that train is also going somewhere different. So now I've taken another 30-minute detour. I still know where I'm going or where I want to be, but I'm just on the wrong train again. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, slow down, pause, reflect. Where am I going? What do I need to do? Calm. It's okay. Kindness to myself. I've made a mistake, but that's okay. I know where I want to be. Get back on the right train, mm -hmm. patience, kindness, and eventually you'll end up at your destination. I was so frustrated with myself because I don't normally make mistakes like that, <laughs> but it's like, it's okay. Yeah. And that experience really made me think you know like often we we'll, we know where we're going but sometimes we just get on the right train and we need to come back and reconnect with our values our sense of self what brings us joy what brings us happiness and we just need to choose the right train to get onto and that will take us to where we want to go but sometimes it takes a few trains mm -hmm. to get there so it's I, an interesting analogy but i hope that makes sense yeah it makes sense and i, I really like this uh, story thank you for sharing it um you were talking about being kind to yourself uh, and i really love that because it's true that sometimes we can be super super hard with our inner voice um do you think there is a way to talk to our inner voice and, and manage it and control it a bit more to be like better with ourselves it's a great question um i would say that what's helped me is avoiding judgment of that inner voice. So something that a psychologist told me once, a psychologist that helped me a lot through a very dark period, she said that my thoughts are just 
ads on the TV. Mm-hmm. And when we're watching ads on the TV, we know that they're a little bit annoying and we just want to get back to the, the cool show that we're watching. Mm-hmm. The ads will come and go. And the other cool thing is we've always got the remote in our hand. So if we don't want to watch that anymore, we can change the channel. But that disconnection between the thoughts or the ads on the TV in this case and ourselves sitting on the couch mm-hmm. observing those thoughts or ads that disconnection allows us to see them for what they are. Mm-hmm. We are not the thoughts that we have. We are not the inner voice that might be trying to tell us bad, negative, you know, unhelpful things. Mm-hmm. We have the remote control in our hand to sit back on the couch, comfortable to observe it, not to judge it, and we can change the channel or just wait for it to pass. So, yes, we all have an inner voice, but we have the power whether to power to choose whether we listen to it or, or not. change the channel all right cool i'm gonna try to think about having a remote control uh in my hands and yeah to change that but that's really yeah that's really it takes practice to, yeah it takes practice to i guess so think visualize I appreciate that thought thank yeah. you for that thought that <laughs> thought is valid it means something obviously mm. i can think about that later yeah and that's something else my psychologist said is acknowledge the thought as being valid yeah it's important but I don't need to think about that right now. All right. I don't need to think about that right now. And continuing to practice that uh, habit of, I don't need to think about that right now, allows us the space to think about more positive thoughts, more positive emotions we do want to experience. All right, thank you. I'm going to wrap up on that positive note. Um, Thank you for sharing all your stories, Paul. And I will conclude with the fact that, yes, you can have dark times, dark period, and, and experience very very hard times in your life but this can also help you so much to find your way in life after that so i'm just talking to everyone who is listening and who feel like lost or sad or having a bad time um it's fine and it's it's like even more enjoy this time uh i would say in a, in a certain way enjoy it because it's gonna help you so much to be stronger and to to really go where you want to go so thank you for that paul and thank um, you, I yeah maybe we'll have more conversation in the future but thank you everyone for listening and have a good time <laughs>